Hello. Oh, or I should do it like this. Hello, this is the pre-chat. I think that's a bit of a clue of who our guest is, though he doesn't sound anything like that. Uh, yeah, this week's guest is the wonderful Peter Dixon. Uh, if you don't know who he is, you're going to get it very, very soon just because of his voice. Um, we recorded this back in September. I can't believe he said yes and he, to do it, but uh, he's a lovely guy. Anyway, enjoy this episode. I loved it. I'm so excited about today's guest. I'm going to burst. Anyway, I'm Daniel Johnson, and this is best thing hello 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 is a lovely tv program in the 80s but this is a podcast called best thing where our guests talk about some of the best things in their lives from tv to film to food to travel to music to something random and a hidden question right at the end to shock them of course Last week's guest was absolutely amazing, but this week's guest is just as amazing. It's the wonderful Peter Dixon. I had to come off the mic then because it wouldn't let me shout that loud. Anyway, he's going to be our guest telling us all about his best things in his life. And he is absolutely wonderful. Of course, we've got Adam Harris and his fat chicken. Bethia Beats bringing us the best in brand new music and film bag, making sure we don't miss out on those must-see movies. So, let's get listening. Next up, Adam Harris's Fat Chicken, and then interview with Peter Dixon. He's not going to like that. Hey guys, Adam, Fat Chicken, doing the fact checking for you. Have you got a sort of older relative who describes something good as the bee's knees? And if you always wondered what that means, I'm going to do some digging around. I'm going to let you listen to Daniel Johnson and his delightful podcast. And I'm going to tell you at the end what bees knees means. We're going to talk about food first. Peter, what? have you been eating? What did you have for breakfast this morning? Well, actually, um, for about a year now, Daniel, I've been uh, avoiding breakfast. Uh, I, and I feel so much better for not eating it. I, 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 I have my evening meal between sort of seven, six and seven o'clock. And then I don't eat anything else until lunchtime the following day. And I've just got so much more energy now. Um, I find that food, while it's lovely, um, if you overeat or eat too much of it, you, it can become... Uh, you could become sluggish and unresponsive, and uh, and uh, and I just find that, uh, ironically, the less I've eat, the less I eat, the more energy I have. So I don't eat breakfast at all now. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm exactly the same. I find it very difficult to have breakfast. But then my problem is when I don't have breakfast is then I have to make sure that I fit in that I have lunch because sometimes you kind of working and you forget. You're like, oh wait a minute, and you're like, why am I slightly getting a little bit cranky? Why am I? So- bit tired and I'm like oh because I've missed lunch I need to definitely eat lunch um if you're gonna not have breakfast you must have a a sizable lunch what's your go-to's what would you say no well I'm a vegetarian I've been a vegetarian all my life actually I've uh, I don't know why I think I've been trying to think about why I am vegetarian I'm actually more vegan now if anything else um I think it was my mother's cooking when I was younger she was uh, such a terrible cook and uh, (laughs) she's no longer with us now so I can say this (laughs) she's looking down on me She'd probably agree. Um, she was just a terrible cook and uh, used to favor all kinds of weird kind of meats, you know, offal, tripe, 
God, who eats tripe? Um, um, potted herrings, uh, pigs, trotters, you know, that kind of weird, <laughs> weird hearts and livers, you know, like, oh my God. So as a She child, would say hearty foods. She, she would uh, say like a heart, hearty heart, food. Heart, you know? Oh, very hearty food, stews and things like that. So she dragged me into the butcher's shop and she was on her shopping trips. And I remember as a young child, you know, being taken into the butcher shops. Um, and in those days, this is going back a few years, they used to line the floor of the butcher shop with um, with wood chips, wood shavings, to soak up the blood from the animals that they dragged in from the van outside. And uh, and I remember very, very distinctly the smell of the butcher shop. It was the, the horrible smell of, of, of meat. And... Um, and as even as a young child, I, I thought to myself that this is wrong. And I just felt that even though I didn't or wasn't able to formulate a moral position at that early age, and I'm talking about four or five years of age, um, it just felt wrong that here was I you know, petting the cows in the fields and then the next day eating them. It just didn't seem right to me as a young child. And uh, as I grew older, I took more of a moralistic position on it. Um, I don't object if anybody wants to eat meat, they can do that. Uh, but we all know now uh, how meat is not only bad for the environment, but it's also extremely bad for us. And so um, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been glad for all these years. I've been a vegetarian and haven't eaten meat, and now I eat um, very little dairy as well. So, um, uh, but people will say to you, "Oh, well, you know, you need meat for iron. You need meat to build muscle uh, mass." Well, you try, you go and look at the orangutans in the in the jungle and the, those huge gorillas. <laughs> they they don't have any trouble, and they eat leaves. It's <laughs> very true. I've never thought of it. I thought about it that way. I I don't eat meat either, and it's a relatively new thing for me over the last sort of year and a half. Um, and I do feel like a lot more energy. And I and, and it's not, you know, you have a distinctive memory of like you know being in those butcher shops and that smell of meat, and then kind of figure out you're kind of in front of the curve, really. Because if you think about it now, a lot of young people don't eat meat either. Yes, but it's over the years, and only in recent times, it's become quite quite a quite an issue. And I hate to use the word trendy, but it is a trend, uh, definitely. People are eating a lot less meat than they used to. And I think it's a good thing just for themselves and for the environment because, you know, rearing protein through beef is um, hugely resourceful, uh, takes up a lot of resources. In, and, and, of course, there's the, the, um, the issue of, uh, of cattle being grazing in the field. You know what cows do and the gas they create, you know, creates uh, problems with the ozone layer. So it's a, it's a very uh, labor-intensive and energy-intensive uh, type of farming. So the less, eat, the less meat you eat, the better it will be for everyone, I think. There's a tagline there. I love that. It's brilliant. Uh, I'm getting a phone call. People are trying to, they know I'm talking to you and they're very excited, to be honest. It's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we're talking about cows farting, which is, which is yes. a perfect way to talk about stuff. Um, okay, so dinner. Uh, what, what, are you, what do you kind of have for dinner? Do you cook at home? Can you cook? Are you good at cooking? Uh, my wife would say, no, I'm a terrible cook and I never cook. Um, I think it's because um, I'm... Uh... I'm not very good at it, but when I do attempt a few dishes, I have my favorite go-to ones. I like Asian food, I like Indian food, I like Italian. So, um, and what's not to like about a not a meat-free roast dinner as well on a Sunday, if you want to go with the whole hog with the roast potatoes and everything in uh, in oil rather than goose fat. But um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do like, uh, I do like a, a quick, uh, a quick Asian meal. I like noodles, for instance, and and just. Uh, uh, pan-fried, stir-fried vegetables. So I like simple food, nothing too adulterated, nothing too complicated, and certainly no rich, creamy sauces. You know, I, I would really just like 
simple, light food, which is easy to cook and easy to digest. And you don't sort of have to throw yourself onto the sofa at the end of dinner, you know, to sort of recover. Um, I mean, we all know that feeling at Christmas time, don't we? We, we overeat too we much do. And, uh, and you do feel awful for it. That's why, that's why I just like to eat a little bit, uh, a little bit and um, not go too over the top with it. Fresh fruit as well. I like that as well. What's not to like about an apple? Oh, I love, I don't know. I love any fruit. Would you have it? Do you like it cold? Because I like fruit in the fridge. Yes, cold, cold apple. Nothing. You can't beat that. A lovely cold apples are really nice. A pink lady or a Fuji. Really, really nice. You know, um, and uh, in fact, I've got one here. I'm going to have a little bite of it now. Listen. I'll do it. Go on. Oh, there you mm. go. Some good foley going on there. Can I tell you my Apple story, actually? Mm. So I was at the cinema. This was before um, we were, you know, when we were allowed to go to the cinema. And uh, sat down. I think we were watching a very, you know, most, most of the cinema. Hopefully no one's on their phone or talking to their friends. You know, you can kind of go, what's going on? Or I'm just going to the toilet. That is fine. But I heard a lady, and she must have got through a bag full of apples behind me. It was the <laughs> worst sound I've ever heard at the cinema ever. And do you know what? <laughs> before I probably did any sort of TV stuff and no one knew, you know, of me or anything like that or any work I've done, I'd probably just tell them to shut up. But just in case they may know me from the TV, I will now just politely move to another seat. Yeah, so, um... yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. What is it about cinemas that people have to eat when they're watching? You're only going in for an hour and a half. Why, why can't you have your meal before you go in? <laughs> and popcorn as well. Popcorn. Oh. We don't. Oh. We're not, we don't allow people to do that in theatres. You know, when when you're watching a play, why would you? No. Why do you allow it in a cinema? I just don't understand it. I really don't. I'm. And we're going off topic, but I'm very weird when I go to plays. Uh, I bring like a um a reusable plastic cup, and then I'll decanter my Percy pigs into it, so I don't make any rustling. <laughs> <laughs> that's going. That's going the extra mile. Uh, well, yeah, well done. Well done, you. Uh, when it comes to food, uh, Peter, what would you say is the best thing about food for you? Is it a type of food or is it just a cuisine? Like you said, you like Asian and noodles. What is the best thing about food? Uh, well, seasoning, I think, is very important. I think, if you, you know, uh, if you don't season the food properly and you, there's such a thing as over seasoning as well, you know, you go too much. Uh, but the, the food is made up from acid, sugars and salts. So um, getting the balance between those three constituency is absolutely critical i went on a cookery course actually not that long ago um mm. my uh, with my son and uh, really in a professional kitchen environment and really really enjoyed that and we uh, were able to cook alongside some professional chefs um and um, of course with all the equipment they have it's a joy and they have to do all the washing up so it's even more of a joy <laughs> so <laughs> that's the only downside isn't it of cooking is you have to do the bloody dishes afterwards i hate that bit yeah me um, too uh, so nobody likes that do they uh yeah so i i do i do like cooking though i think when when i get the time to do it it's um it's something i do enjoy um but yes getting the the seasoning right getting the the uh the balance right between the the sweetness the sourness and the salt um and any other spices and seasoning that you put into it um is a bit like um it's quite I mean it's artistic isn't it you are making you're creating something out of virtually nothing out of raw vegetables and raw and and spices and sauces um and when it's done well and you know you go to a top notch restaurant and you you can see what a what a great meal should be like uh when you taste it it just tastes divine beautiful really really lovely so food is pleasurable of course 
um, provided we don't get too in love with it and eat too much of it. I think it's, it's okay. Yes, it's, it's the other thing I, Moorish. The other thing I love but have to really watch myself on is chocolate. I am an absolute chocolate, <laughs> Daniel. I okay. mean, I used to like Percy Pigs, but I can't do them anymore. Uh, they just make me feel ill. Um, uh, but the but chocolate, but a really good quality chocolate, you know, either dark or milk, I don't care, is just so irresistible to me i could eat a whole bar if if you didn't take it off me <laughs> well, i mean we're not sponsored by anyone but i think we might be after that endorsement of chocolate <laughs> um, <laughs> so peter i'm going to say the best thing about food for you is seasoning and i was going to say chocolate but not seasoning chocolate seasoning and then a little bit of chocolate maybe for afterwards a bit of sea salt chocolate maybe you know, oh, yeah. don't, don't. <laughs> sea salt and caramel Ooh, yeah <laughs> okay next up we're going to be talking travel Peter, travel. And okay, we haven't really been anywhere for a while. Um, but where are your holiday destinations? Where's your where's your choices to go on holiday if you get a chance to? Well, um, I, I, that's an easy one for me to answer. I um, I think it must be about twenty something years ago. Uh, I was on holiday in Florida with my wife before we had the kids, and uh, it's actually twenty five years ago, probably. Um, and I'd gone over there to, uh, as one always does, one has to go to Disney World, don't you? You have to, you have to do the parks. Of course. So, uh, um, and having done it now many times, I, I never want to see the bloody places again, but <laughs> it's, 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 I've done them so many times. But anyway, that first trip, we, uh, we were over in, uh, in Orlando, and then we took a, a week in uh, Clearwater, I think it was, on the West Coast, on the Gulf of Mexico. And then we had another week, which we didn't quite know what to do with. So we drove down south as far as you can go to a little town called uh, Naples in Florida uh, on the Gulf Coast, on the West Coast, just literally uh, west of Miami on the opposite coast. And um, we fell in love with it, basically. The place was just so gorgeous and fine powdery white beaches with palm trees, no buildings higher than a palm tree, um, beautiful uh, facilities, shops, everything about it was just like you'd gone to heaven. And we thought, could we possibly, you know, live here or buy a house here? And we looked into it. And um, several months later, we went back again and uh, we bought a, a condominium over there. And so the, for the last 25 years, I spend three, four months there every year which is uh, delightful. And I'm so lucky, Daniel, because the kind of work I do now and with the technology, the way it is, is, you know, digital recording and sending stuff on the internet. I can do, I can work anywhere. Basically, I can send my material from anywhere in the world and have done. But over there, it's great because of the time difference. I can work in the mornings, you know, from eight o'clock till 11. Uh, back here, it's going to be you know, the afternoon. So um, that's fine too. And then I've got the rest of the day off. Well, what's not to like about that? So I just love that sort of way of working, um, particularly if you can shorten the winter the way I used to be able to do. I won't be able to do it this year, unfortunately. But, um, you know, for the last 20 odd years, I've been I've been going out in October, November, bit of December, and then back again in March, maybe April, March, April time, which are the best months really over there. Not too hot, not too cold. So it shortens the winter here in the UK for us, which is uh, which has been delightful and lovely. I just figured out this. This is why you have that wonderful tan. 
when I see you, you always have a lovely tan. And now I've just worked it out. You've yeah. been in Florida. Yes. <laughs> I do. I do spend a lot of time. I don't like sunbathing as much, but you do just naturally get a tan, don't you? Walking to the shops and walking down the beach. and uh, Sitting around doing nothing is not the kind of thing I enjoy too much, um, unless I'm reading a book or something. Um, but just lying, sunbathing, doing nothing, no, not my kind of thing. Um, uh, as far as travel is concerned, though, in the, in the early days, I fell in love with America very early on in my life. It must have been about 1819 when I decided um, completely out of the blue. And because I'd grown up on American television and American movies, as we all do, and you wonder what it's like, I took the rather bold, I think nowadays, brave decision of, of just literally getting on a plane uh, from London and going across to New York. And uh, I had a contact in New York, something my mother knew, and I stayed with her for a few days just to sort of get my bearings. And then I bought a Greyhound bus ticket, which lasted me for a month. Yes. And uh, again, I'd never do this now, but I got on a bus in New York and uh, over the f three weeks, I think it was, I went from New York up to uh, Montreal, Ottawa, wow. right, right across Canada through Winnipeg, the great Canadian plains, Ended up in Vancouver, went to, um, then got a ferry down to uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and then Seattle, then down to uh, San Francisco, and then Los Angeles, and then, and then a boat, and then a, a bus back through the great Midwest, um, through, you know, literally a thousand miles of nothing, um, small towns, and uh, sat on the bus the whole way, and just l literally stopped where I wanted to, and got off, and met people it was the most amazing three-week holiday i've ever had and uh, i'll never do it again because it was well it's not the most comfortable way to travel that's but, what you do when you're a teenager yeah. and in your earlier 20s and i think it's amazing it's kind of your backpacking i guess yeah you're, that you're was traveling all over north america that was a great education you know i saw a lot of america and uh glad i did it i mean i, I, I I, you're making me want to now get a, a, a bus ticket and sort of just leave my job for the next three weeks and I'll just go all around. Where have you gone, Dad? It, what you made it sound like is you fell asleep on the bus when you were 18, 19, and you just travelled to all these places. <laughs> well, actually, I did because I had no bloody money back then. And uh, and so what I used to do was, you know, uh, do my sightseeing during the day. And these buses would leave at maybe 7 o'clock at night from fairly undesirable areas of town, I have to say. So it was a little bit dodgy of places. But I get on the bus and... Um, I'd, I'd sleep on the bus, literally, you know, travel across America, uh, sleeping on the bus and uh, wake up the next morning. Not, I would like to say refreshed, but not really, um, uh, and find a, a, a motel uh, to stay in the next night. So there was a, it was, it was a great experience and uh, one I really, really loved. Where did you, uh, where did you holiday when you were, when you were younger, when you were growing up? Did you have family holidays? Did you uh, sort of yeah. vacation or did you go abroad? Well, coming from Ireland as I do, um, yes, we went to, um, Various places, usually what they now call staycations, I guess. Yeah. Because uh, uh, we didn't really go abroad. Uh, people didn't in those days very much. Um, so we went to um, <clears throat> lovely windswept places like Donegal in the northwest coast of Ireland. And then my, I had an auntie down in uh, near Dublin. She had a beautiful home down there in British Bay. Uh, again, vast, wide, sweeping sandy beaches and uh, the great Atlantic bracing air um and uh, it was lovely really nice really nice holidays uh it's what you want as a kid isn't it sand dunes yeah. and, and just running around free 
and um, fishing and uh, mucking around in rock pools catching uh, crabs. <laughs> I mean, that's what I actually did on this holiday. We did a staycation in Devon and we just went crabbing and just chilled on the beach. And I built like a, a, a mini tiny round wall around where we were sat because it was coronavirus <laughs> out of rocks, which took me about three hours. And my niece was looking at me like, what are you doing? But it's those little tiny things that we take for granted. Yeah. I always went to holiday in, in Cornwall when I was a kid and I just made friends with people and then was very sad after the week that they were my best friends and I'd never see them again. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing with holidays is you've got to uh, take them. I think they are important. People say, oh, you're being lazy, you're not working. But actually, as you know, as you well know, uh, working in the entertainment industry, uh, um, you know, it can be fairly intense and long hours and, and pretty, uh, you know, relentless. Um, and very often, if you don't take breaks, you begin to lose sight of what is important in your life and what is important in all our lives is our friends and families and so if you don't invest in them then you know all kinds of horrible things can happen and so and we've seen it relationships break down families breaking up because people don't spend enough quality time as they call it with their families so taking time out is great and also allows you as an individual to go off on a walk lose yourself somewhere in the sand dunes go for a walk along the cliffs wherever it is you are and think about life and about uh, where you're going and what your priorities are because only when you step away from those uh, daily um, the daily pressures do you actually then begin to realize actually i think i need to be doing this or here's a good idea i think ideas will come to you naturally as you t take the uh, take those breaks so breaks are very important to uh, for, for people who want to reassess where they're going and how to um, lead their life in maybe a more productive or different way even you might think of a, a different job you might like to do yeah very true very true so i'm going to say um that relaxing and getting away is kind of the, some of the best things for you but i think the best thing about travel for you is your little lovely place is it near naples and florida or in naples yeah it's in, it's in naples in florida yeah it's in naples yeah. i shouldn't tell we, everyone just in case everyone wants to descend yeah. there now <laughs> well we've got we've got well it's actually now one of the fastest growing towns in the in the u.s so it's uh it's got a lot bigger in the, in the 25 years i've had the place there but uh it's still lovely they still keep a lid on the downtown building so it's still got that small town feel downtown but the uh, the roads i've noticed outside of town are getting wider and there are more and more houses being built but it's still a lovely place to to live and, and um not sure i'd want to live there full time but it's, it's a lovely place to escape to always ahead of the curve there peter always ahead of the curve and uh, next up we're going to be talking film and tv <laughs> Hey guys, my recommendation this week is Bill and Ted Face the Music, starring of course Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters. Here's a clip. When your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel, and you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. All right, well, I'm happy to report that this does not disappoint. I think you always, always run the risk when returning to a beloved franchise like this, especially comedy franchises, the law of diminishing returns, right? I mean, Zoolander 2, Dumb and Dumber 2, really anticipated, completely missed the mark, I'm afraid. But this one is, is just a really nice 
wholesome time. I think it's kind of the movie that we need right now for this year. And it's just great to see these characters again. I, I, I watched the first two back to back before I watched this one. And it was really, really nice to revisit. The second one, especially Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, is fantastic. And what I really love about the series is that each installment is kind of its own thing. It, it never feels like a rehash. This, this one for sure, kind of follows in that respect. You know, we find Bill and Ted, they're middle aged now. They've not written the song that would uh, bring world peace. And so they're kind of getting a little bit paranoid about that. So they hatch a really harebrained scheme to uh, go into the future when it's already written and kind of grab it there. And, and it's just a really fun, zany ride. We've got the Grim Reaper back. We've also got Bill and Ted's daughters who are played by Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne. And they're really, really great. They go off on a side quest and they reinvigorate things. Alex Winters, I thought he was really, really good. It honestly felt like only a couple of days had passed since the, the second one. Keanu is, is also great. However, it was a little bit jarring. He, he doesn't seem to want to crack a smile in this one, which is a bit odd considering how animated he is in the old ones. But, you know, he's a, he's a grizzled action star these days. So, you know, you don't want to really mess with that reputation. But it's just, it's just a joy. I had a smile on my face the whole time. So, yeah, I really recommend Bill and Ted face the music, guys. <laughs> Peter, film and TV. Are you a fan of film and TV? You've been because I know obviously you've worked a lot in those industries, but do you get enough time to sit down and just watch one and relax? Oh yes, absolutely. Very important to uh, you know not just for enjoyment, just to watch uh, other projects uh, and other films and TV shows. That's important, of course, but it's just very important for me as a, as a voice actor to. Uh, keep an eye, if you like, and absorb the way popular culture moves because nothing stays the same. Um, change is the only constant in life. And unless you keep up with those changes, uh, then you become less and less relevant. So I think it's very important. And I teach this in, in the school that I, I, I run, the, this voice acting training school called Gravy for the Brain. And we teach actors to not only focus on their own um, deliver in their own performance, but to watch other actors and how they are acting and how listen to fil- listen to to music, listen watch film, watch TV, um, go to the theatre and and absorb how things are changing and what is popular. And if you can do that, and somehow incorporate those changes into your own performances, then you will always be and always sound relevant to the way things are today. If you listen to recordings of people from the 1930s or 50s, um, you know, archive film, uh, you can hear the way they spoke in those days. You know, the, the Queen, for instance, if you can listen to how she spoke in those days. And now she's still quite posh, but she's her voice has changed very significantly. Um, and then you listen to um, the way the prince, is, say Prince William, would speak nowadays. He he speaks in a in not a received pronunciation accent at all. He's he's got this kind of every man kind of voice, which is it very interesting. He glottal stops and drops his H's, and you know he sounds like your average guy, which is fascinating to me. That uh, you know he's he's absorbed popular culture in that way. Um, I feel when, when people do that, it's, you know, when you, how you speak when you're at home and then how you speak when you're with your friends, he might've just forgotten. <laughs> he's not with his friends. So when he goes back home, you know, back to his dad and his gran and, and he's just like, Oh, okay. Hello. And they're like, no, we saw you before. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. This is a good point. <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean? It's sort of the, um, 
if you don't if you don't keep up with everything it just it, you you get left behind basically so you've got to watch a lot of listen to the commercials i say you know you know instead of walking out of the room when the commercials come on i actually stay and i turn them up and i listen to um to the types of voices that the advertisers are using on their commercials and and, and and analyze those voices and work out, well, why have they gone for that voice? And invariably nowadays, it's because the voice they've picked is the, um, sounds like the person that would buy that product or service. Oh, um, wow. So the trend now, then again, this is another new trend. The trend is that advertisers are looking for real sounding people real voice actors who can sound like real people um, and sound like the kind of person that would be in that world or buy that product or service. So it makes sense when you think about it, because, uh, you know, you're talking to somebody who is a potential customer. And if they, if you sound like, listen to the Vodafone commercials, invariably it's female voices, um, young. Um, that's predominantly the uh, the market for, for that product. Um, you listen to... Uh, um, let's think of something else, maybe a, a video game, for instance, it's going to be a young person. But then if you listen to a, a, an advert for a, for Jaguar cars, it's going to be somebody, usually a man, older. Uh, Renault Clio is going to be a female voice, younger. So it's, you, you're, you're appealing to the person that's going to be so right funny. for the product. So, I've never thought of it mm. that way. And it just, it just, it just sort of washes over you and you, you just kind of get used to it. But as you're in this industry and that's what you do for work and, you know, and you've done over, you know, thousands upon thousands of voiceovers for TV and, you know, and, and radio and stuff, you, you know, you, you must just hear this for everyone else. We're just like, oh, they're just trying to sell me a car or a pen or, uh, you know, some popcorn or, yes, exactly, or some yeah. apple, you know, bring the apples back. Um, what have you been watching lately? What's uh, what's been on your telly box, or are you even watching TV? Are you on your computer watching YouTube or Netflix? Uh, well, if I watch, if I'm watching, um, you know, content of intended for TV, I'll watch it on a TV. I don't. I'm not a big fan of watching on small screens. Um, but I uh, what do I watch? I, basically, I like documentaries, travel shows, cop shows. I love. Um, I like Who Dares Wins. You know the uh, the SAS show. Um, yeah. Uh, drama TV. I watch a lot. Watch a lot of drama. Uh, Luther is a great show. Uh, so I, I binge watched when it was on when it first came out. Breaking Bad. Uh, we one Christmas that we watched that almost continuously. It was terrible for us. <laughs> Never went to bed. Uh, put on a lot of weight, sitting around watching it. But it was I literally... did that with Game of Thrones and nearly ruined myself oh, just really? trying no. to get through all of Game of Thrones. I've not seen a single frame of that, but um, right. I, I'm. It's on my list. Um, you know, it's, some things I've not seen. I've never seen a Star Wars movie, and people find that incredible. Um, but um, I've not seen one yet. Um, but those yeah, but two. This, is, this is on your that. list. This is on your list. Yeah, and yeah. That's great to have that because I'm actually jealous that you haven't seen any of Game of Thrones or Star Wars because you have that to come. Yes. Oh, so that's amazing. <laughs> I'm jealous. Yes. Uh, and then I watched the the sequel to uh, to Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. That Saul, was yeah. uh, great. Um, so yes, I um, I don't watch uh, everything on television just uh, because it's on. I'm quite selective about what I watch because there's so many other things I have to do. But I do like watching a good documentary or a good travel show. Um, films. Are you a film, films. Film yes, yes, I am. Uh, love a movie, like uh, thrillers very much. I also like um, my all-time favorite movie, and it's an unusual one for me because I'm not a great horror fan, but I'm a great fan of Stanley Kubrick. And my favorite film of all time, I think, 
and I've seen it God knows how many times, it must be dozens, is The, well, 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 is the Shining by uh, oh. Stanley Kubrick, well, based on the book, which the Stanley Kubrick directed the uh, the movie with um, Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, as you will remember. Uh, and I took my son to see it, uh, he's in his 20s now, I took him to see it in Leicester Square. They put on, they digitized the film, cleaned it up, uh, repaired the audio, made it crystal clear, and I think it was a 4K projection. And it was just amazing. Wow. He was blown away by it, as I was for the tenth or fifteenth time I've seen it. But um, <laughs> it's such a mesmerizing film and a, a credible performances. Um, and yet, none of it, apart from the last sort of ten minutes, is in the dark. Most of it is shot in bright light, which is interesting. Yeah, that's kind of different for a horror film, isn't it? Really, mm. Mm. you know. Um, it, it's, it is incredible because everyone's kind of been watching more TV and more content and stuff like that. But I think that what it's done is actually brought people together. I've been watching um, TV programs with friends and stuff with they're on an iPad by my <laughs> side and I'm watching a TV. We were both on mute and we just do facial expressions at each other. And and I know I, I heard a lovely story and this is kind of not about TV from, but kind of watching the screen. But a granddad had uh, learned how to play Fortnite so he could talk and have good conversations with his grandson and granddaughter. I mean, how cute is that? It's lovely, but don't get involved in Fortnite, for goodness sake. You'll never, ever have a life again. Uh, I know some people who've got into that and they just uh, their lives have been ruined by it. Yeah, I think it takes. Uh, there was a lot of translucent uh, when they came back because I coach football. A lot of translucent kids that had not been out in the sun the whole time because they've just been playing <laughs> Fortnite, which is incredible. Uh, I'm going to say the best thing when it comes to uh, TV and film for you. Uh, I would sort of say like sort of cops sort of stuff, but I think you did say documentaries and travel shows were probably up there yeah. for sort of the best content for you when it comes to TV and sort of Luther as well because I just thought that was brilliant <laughs> and scary. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking music. Hi everyone, it's Bethia from Bethia's Beats. My chosen artist for this week is the very talented Rosie Shaw. She takes inspiration from artists such as Bonnie Ver, Radiohead and Phoebe Bridges and writes her own music on the guitar in the comfort of her bedroom. She's just released her debut EP sometime soon, which is just a truly beautiful, authentic body of work. I just absolutely love it. It features her single Temporary Love, which is currently playing in the background right now. To listen to the full song, it will be playing at the end of the podcast, along with all the details of Rosie's social media and where to find the EP. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. She had to be kicked off the show for passport irregularities was Gamu Nengu, which was a great name. Gamu Nengu! <laughs> <laughs> which leads perfectly into music. Uh, what, what is your music taste? What are you listening to right now? Uh, musically, um, I've, I've, I've had Spotify on my computer for a few years now. I've, I've just, I'm so glad I've discovered it. Um, and it's revolutionized the way I listen to music, and also it's broadened my tastes quite a lot. And so I listen to a, a very wide range of music from, you know, literally everything, as long as it's good and it's well produced, uh, and depends on what mood I'm in as well. So I'm, 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 I like classical music a lot, so I've been listening to a lot of Rachmaninoff, um, 
some of his piano concertos, the piano concerto number two in C minor, is a stunning piece. And uh, it's just beautiful. There's some lovely, large, sweeping lyrical moments in that which just take me away. And I just uh, go to a different place when I listen to that. I'm also a fan of... Uh, of the slightly more maudlin tune, you know, the sad music. I do like a, a minor key. And so things like, um, you know, the, the, no, talking of voices now, here's a voice, a female voice, a, a singer who, when I hear her, I just think, God, her voice is like silk. It's just so beautiful. It's Peggy Lee. If oh, you've wow. never heard Peggy Lee sing, I highly recommend listening wow. to the way she phrases her songs. The main reason why I know Peggy Lee is... <laughs> Joe <you> Amira <laughs> from S Club 7. That's the name of her cat. <laughs> and she just goes, Peggy Lee! Um, <laughs> a bit of a tenuous link there, but yeah. Yeah, so she's got that kind of lovely kind of vowels and, and that kind of, you know, voice that sort of draws you in, does she? Well, listen to, um, well, there's so many songs, but listen to Street of Dreams, Folks Who Live on the Hill, Is That All There Is? Is That All There Is? Is the weirdest song out you'd never think that would ever be a hit because she's talking about the end of her life and uh, rem reminiscing about her childhood and when her house burnt down and uh, i mean it's the saddest the saddest <laughs> sort of tale imaginable but the way she phrases it and deals with it and uh, then there's an umpire band and a big orchestra in the background it's just a stunning piece um other songs i like i mean other artists for voices i mean listen to tom waits who is uh oh yeah got the most extraordinary deep gravelly voice you know shiver me timbers listen to that and and shiver yourself because it's just amazing um another artist i've discovered recently on spotify um she's a young mancunian uh soul singer called josephine uh onyama oh. um She's really good. She teamed up with Ed Harcourt. You may know him. He's a, he's a yeah, yeah. pianist. He's, um, they teamed up on a song called House of Mirrors, and that's just a, a beautiful melody, lovely song. She's got a haunting voice. Um, and again, voices, you know, it's what's what attracts me to, uh, to, to singers, their, their voice quality. And because I'm from Northern Ireland, well, how could I not like Van Morrison? Everything he does and everything he touches is just extraordinary. Uh, my yes. favorite song of his probably because my wife and I both love it, is Coney Island. Uh, and this, uh, there's a phrase in that song where, where he's driving along in the car with his girlfriend and he looks out the window and everything. It's one of those moments in life, uh, Daniel, where, and it doesn't happen that often, but when it happens, it's joyful, where everything is perfect. You know, the weather is perfect. You're sitting with someone you love in a car, in a place which is fantastic. You're on your way to somewhere lovely. And he just turns to her in the song and he says, wouldn't it be great if it was like this all the time? And I just love that phrase. You know, um, we all love those moments and they don't happen often enough. No, it's it's nice to, um, that's the funny thing about music. It, it, it can suck you right back to those moments in your life that either give you complete and utter joy and glee and those lovely fun times, but also can kind of radio head yourself back into feeling a bit sad and, and, and sorry for yourself and miserable. It, it, it's, <laughs> and, and, and I've worked, you know, for loads of different charities and, and one of the charities that I worked for, you know, works with people with dementia and Alzheimer's and music is so important. And, and, and I think that, you know, you can learn languages and you can learn different skills just through just having music around it. It's, it's incredible. It's a great therapy for everybody. Uh, and it's a, it's a great solace to many. And, um, 
you know, to, no matter what mood you're in, whether you're in an uplifting mood or you want to be uplifted or you want to be brought down again, music can do it in an instant. And it'll take you back, transport you to a time where you were in a mood. Maybe you were happy, you, you had a happy period in your life and that was the music that was playing. You play that music and rather like a, a favorite perfume that you may have had scented, uh, had a scent that maybe an ex-girlfriend or somebody has worn, it'll take you straight back there. And so music, very powerful. And as you say, very, very powerful in terms of helping people with difficulties in life and uh, m mood adjustment. It's a, yeah, it's a great thing. And I'm so, uh, we're so lucky that we have access to all this music around us now, um, you know, as, 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 uh, as it becomes, well, the world's music library is accessible to us all now for very little it's money. It's incredible. And especially things like Spotify, what, what has actually happened is my music has started to eat itself. So I don't actually listen to any new music because it now gives me a playlist of the stuff that I listened to in 2017, 2018, mm -hmm. 2019. And now I listen to those playlists all the time, which means 2020, no new music in there at all. What would you say is the best thing when it comes to music for you, Peter? Uh, escapism. I think just getting away from it, just taking time out to listen to a really good piece of music or some album um and and spend an hour sitting there or half an hour uh whatever you can afford and just close your eyes lie back and really focus on the music listen to the complexity of the music listen to every in piece and every instrument that's playing focus on the voice if there's a voice in it if it's not an instrumental and and you will be taken away from your present moment whatever that may be into a different place and you're when it's finished, you'll be you'll feel so much better about the world. I love that. It's so nice to have that kind of escapism when just listening to something which you can listen to with friends, you can listen to with thousands of people, but you also can just enjoy by yourself, which is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking something random, Peter. I'm going to give you a few seconds, just oh, music right, to okay. figure out what you're going to have. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking something random. I took singing lessons many years ago, but I never really uh, pursued it. I I don't know why. I just, uh, I should do it because it's a really good thing to do, particularly for people who speak for a living. You know, being able to sing is a great thing. Not that yeah. I sing in front of an audience or, or make a record, but... Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know. We could have a nice Peter Dixon record out there. Do you teach, um, do you teach singing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, occasionally, I, I've done a little bit of teaching singing because I used to teach drama. So I guess it's kind of built in, you know, if, you, if you're going to sing a song that you're also going to, um, you know, teach someone how to act through it and, and their singing and stuff. So it's kind of similar, but I haven't taught singing for a very long time. Though someone did come to me about uh, helping them sing, but they just needed confidence building. They could sing, they just, they're confident yeah. down. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think there's a lot to do with that. Uh, Peter, random, what subject are you going to go for? What's the, what's the best thing in your life that's something random? Flying. What, physically flying with your arms or in a plane? Well, yes, I would love to be. <laughs> you know, that's, I would love to be. Have you, ever had a, have you ever had a dream where you're flying? Of course. Of we course. All have, isn't that the most amazing thing? Yeah, and I then until you realize you're out of control. I never want to wake up, I, particularly when you're flying inside. I always seem to end up flying inside rather large buildings, you know, down staircases. I think this is just brilliant. And then I wake up and think, oh, God, it was just a dream. How unfortunate. No, I'd so love elaborate. to elaborate. Yeah, flying. No, flying. I first 
uh, encountered flying when I was at university uh, many years ago. I joined what was called the University Air Squadron, which was a, a flying club, basically, uh, run by the Royal Air Force, uh, with the probably the intention of recruiting pilots into the Air Force, although that wasn't the uh, the mandatory outcome at the end. But I, I, I managed to wangle my way in there, let's say. And I spent three years flying a, an aerobatic aircraft called the Scottish Aviation Bulldog, which is a two-seater aircraft, which does literally everything. It's literally, <laughs> it is, it's an amazing aircraft. Uh, and uh, now that's the last thing I ever expected I would have been doing at university, but I did it and I became an aerobatic pilot. And wow. uh, and that's something not many people know about me. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, people are literally going to be like, what? <laughs> really? I know. Uh, but then when I left university, I went into the BBC, joined the BBC, and then, you know, flying is an expensive hobby, right? So I didn't have the yes. money then to continue uh, that uh, that that hobby. So I let it go. Uh, I thought, well, I got away with that. So I didn't crash or anything. That was great. Um, <laughs> so I... Uh, but I've maintained my interest in flying. So I go to air shows. I know a lot of pilots. And um, about two years ago, my son, who was 23 at the time, uh, I had the opportunity because I'd bought this at a, at a, at a, at a uh, you know, charity auction. I bid for this prize, which was uh, two people to fly with uh, the blades, which is the blades are an aerobatic formation, rather like the red arrows, but yeah, yeah, I know the blade, yeah. so we went up there. I took him up there with me and he'd never been in anything smaller than a 747 before. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, do you want to hop into this tiny yeah. plane? Son? This, this tiny, <laughs> tiny little incy-wincy plane. I get into one, he gets into the other rather sheepishly, and I can see he was looking rather apprehensive. Anyway, we go off. He, well, I've got an X-Red Arrow flying me, he's got an X-Red Arrow flying him, and we do the most uh, amazing, uh, start off with a loop, and then we do we do increasingly violent aerobatic maneuvers. We did seven of them, ending with what's called a Lomchevac, or a, a Ruad, or a, a knife-edge spin, which is basically, you pull, and you get to do this, on <laughs> you, get, you get the controls. You pull the stick back, the aircraft goes into a, a very rapid climb, and then you... Uh, kick left rudder and pull the, the throttle back and the aircraft just falls backwards out of the sky tumbling uh it's i mean it's incredible anyway hey, has, your, has your son been in an airplane since no <laughs> i don't think he's ever forgiven me for it and we got back down and he was literally as green as an apple you know he was uh and then they offered us lunch of course that was the last thing he wanted was lunch <sighs> and so we drove back home i didn't feel too good either because you know unless you do these things all the time it becomes uh you get you can get very disorientated and dizzy and sick with it but um i'm so proud of him for doing it and um and uh but again as you say he's never been in a plane since <laughs> So flying, I think, is my kind of secret passion, really. Yeah, I think I, I love uh, being around pilots and listening to them and, and, and being on planes. Yeah, I just I just like flying. I love this category because we just find out those little things that, you know, everyone can talk about food and travel and music and TV and film and stuff. But when it comes to something random, they really do pull it out of the bag. And I'm going to be using you as a... Yeah, so we had Peter on the other week who said flying. Um, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely amazing um what i'm gonna do and so we're in season two right now which is uh, which is amazing already um is uh we've got a new question and i i don't tell you this question straight away because i think that too many people sort of think about this and and stuff but this is why i want people just not to be so um everyone's kind of a bit self-critical and a bit you know you 
British and, you know, don't want to say anything nice. So I've got this one question and I'm going to give you a little break and you can come back and tell us what you think about this question, but give us a lovely answer as well. But here we go. Peter, what is the best thing when it comes to you? (gasps) We'll find out after this. So, Peter, sorry about that uh, last question. It's not the easiest <laughs> of questions, I know, and it's slightly a dramatic pause as well. Um, but what is the best thing when it comes to you, Peter? Uh, I think, you know, being British, talking about yourself in a positive way is slightly cringeworthy. Um, however, I think answering it honestly, Daniel, I think if anything, um, and it's also, it's a positive thing, but it's also a fault, perhaps. Uh, my wife might see it like that, but I am a crowd pleaser. I like, crowd pleaser. I, I like to please people and I hate I hate letting people down or disappointing them. I just can't do that. And so if I've got any faults, and it's, I see it perhaps maybe as a fault, other people might see it as an asset, but I'm a yes man. So I will, that's why I'm here, isn't it? I mean, that's why I said yes to you. I can't say no to anybody. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I have my limits, of course, but I think I like to please people. I think, um, I think it's good. It's dead. It's it's dead. It's put me in good stead for my career. I uh, I've always m- tried to um, underpromise and overdeliver anything I've ever done. So, if I say to you, Daniel, I have this to you, this piece of audio to you by two uh, thirty this afternoon. I will deliver it to you at two o'clock in the afternoon, and I will nice. also deliver you way more than you were expecting because uh, <laughs> that's what I'm a, I'm a crowd pleaser. So I just I just like to people to think good of me. I do care a lot about what people think, although I've tried not to over the years. I've tried to think uh, I don't really care what people think about me because what they think about me is their business. It's not my business. But at least I can influence what they think about me. And I just can't bear the fact that anybody would think I was mean or um, rude or, or, or bad-natured or ungenerous. You know, I, I, I just want people to think good of me that's all and I I think it's one of those things that's kept me going all these years you are a true professional and just working alongside with you um you know back in the day and I think we even did a show I think it was me (laughs) you Ruth Lorenzo and maybe diversity in the Isle of Man or something like that (laughs) and uh and and just what you're like not just with us the people you kind of know you said our names you met us a couple of times backstage or just in the audience but to every single person that wants to come over to you and say oh you know oh amazing could you say my name and i never and there's only one other person i can equate to being like you okay and when i met now on name dropping now when i met uh, michael buble he had time for everyone and you are exactly the same you know everyone has those moments you know when you're out with your family and you you know you don't want to but when you're switched on and when you're at events and even when you're just backstage how lovely that you are and thank you so much for doing this podcast it's been a while since i saw you i saw you back on twitter and and, and tweeting away and you've got some stuff as well coming out as well which is very exciting so i just i i just could not have you on and as soon as i told some people i haven't told that many people that you're on but they're like oh my god amazing and i've had some lovely guests but my the reaction i've got that i've got you is is it's been really really lovely and i've, I've loved every bit oh, <laughs> just, oh, i just you. got goosebumps saying that as well oh, um, that's good thank you so much for that it's been, no, no. been an absolute joy and um, I will just say to your listeners, if, if anybody has been remotely interested in my career or what, what people like me do for a living, 
I've just written a book called Voiceover Man, um, which has been my life story. It's my professional life story. I don't talk, talk about my family or anything. It's just my work, uh, which is some of it is, I think, hilarious. It's uh, all this, the anecdotes from down the years of people I've worked with, the famous names. And so if you're remotely interested, I mean, I'm, it's out, out now. They will be. On audiobook. <laughs> it's, it's available on Audible and paperback and hardback versions. Um, 25th of September is when it's released. Um, it will be in the link below so people can click to it and it'll go oh, straight good. to it as well. So don't worry about that. So um, we, we, we like to promote our guests, which is great. Uh, anything else coming up? Obviously, of course, you had an audio book with it as well. Uh, but anything else? What, what, what's coming up for you, Peter? What are you doing? Well, I'm continuing to work as a voice artist in uh, all kinds of areas. And also um, managing and running the uh, Gravy for the Brain business, which I run with Hugh Edwards, my, who's a voice director. We also uh, we're the world's biggest um, voice acting training school now online, wow. and so we we've got uh, we train about forty five thousand actors around the world. We've got offices in Canada, America, South America, Australia, New Zealand, UK, Spain, uh, Norway, um, Arabia. Uh, Egypt. Uh, I mean, it's it's everywhere. I don't rem- remembering all of those places. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I only remember them because they they I talk to them all the time. But yeah, it's, it's uh, it is it's a it's a growing business. It's really successful and. Um, you know, I'm just, that's another thing. That's me being a crowd pleaser again, just giving back to uh, to people who want to do what I do and teaching them how to do it. It's just a, a joy to pass on that accumulated knowledge over all those years. So um, I'm just happy to have a little bit of a legacy in that way. Well, you are the godfather when it comes oh. to the voice. Uh, thank you so much, Peter Dixon. You're an absolute pleasure. And thanks for sharing with us your wonderful best things. Wow. I love Peter Dixon. What an amazing, amazing guy. Thank you so much to him for being just the voice that we needed in our ears. As well, thank you to Adam Harris. Keep us all fact-checked with his fact-checking and find out the answer very soon after this. Bethia Beats bringing us the best in brand new music and her pick of the pop will be played right at the end of the podcast. Thank you to Film Bag, making sure we don't miss out on those must-see films and movies. I would never forget him. Yes, thank you to our producer, Professor Ollie. And the music in the background is by myself, Tom Baxter, and Jimmy Lundy. And the artwork is by JMD. Next up is Adam Harris's Fat Chicken, followed by Bethia Beats' Pick of the Pod. See you next time. Hey guys, Adam, Fat Chicken. I imagine you've forgotten about me by now. Listen to Bethia's Beats and Dan talking to people for eight minutes about spaghetti bolognese or something um i was finding out for you where the phrase bees knees comes from and it comes from the fact that bees actually have knees and the expression comes from the fact that they store large build-ups of pollen in hairy baskets on their knees i mainly selected this fact because i wanted to say hairy baskets hope you don't mind i'll see you next time if i've still got a job (laughs) 